20 rebound triple double 60 points 20 boards never it never happened baby how's it feel right now i'm tired as hell <laughs> you can rest later you're young i need a recovery beer oh we can handle that son of slovenia cool as hell he scores the ball and he rebounds This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The last Mavericks podcast recording in the year 2022. I don't know for sure that's true. It feels true, though, you know. It's uh, it's Friday morning. It's December 30th. I'm Tim Cato. We're talking to Saad Youssef. And we're just going to talk about the Mavericks and how they've ended this year quite spectacularly in a lot of ways. And I, I do want to kind of go through the standings and... I know earlier this week we talked about how the Mavericks were good and we're going to show that they were going to uh, were good and they're doing that right now. They're fifth in the West, but let's get there. Let's get there. First off, Saad, how are you and how did you react to and receive Luka Doncic doing 60-21-10 just a couple days ago? You know, to be honest, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hop on here and kiss your ass, really. But to be quite honest with you, I processed it. You know, there was a Stars game that night, as you know, I'm the beat writer for the Stars, so I was focused on that during the night. Then afterwards, obviously, I saw what happened, and I was also hosting on the ticket the next day, so, um, so had to, you know, catch up on it. And the next day, I read your column, and I think that was basically how I processed it. I thought you did a phenomenal job of of putting that stuff into words. Um, uh, you know, like just the greatness and trying to understand and contextualize that stuff. I think, I think a lot of times we, you know, we see this a lot really with, with, uh, Jokic in Denver, where everything he does is the first time since it's been done since Wilt. Um, and for Luca to do something that Wilt hasn't done before, I think was, was kind of the driving home point for me. Because, you know, we see Russell Westbrook, his triple doubles first since Oscar, um, Jokic with Wilt. And that 60, 20, and 10 is not a fluke. Like, he does not that degree of a stat line every night, but he contributes at that level in those areas consistently every night. Um, and I thought you did a good job of outlining just, you know, how we, how to kind of contextualize that and, and kind of take that all in. So, you know, I for me, it was just... It was amazement, and it was also amazement as at his, uh, as you pointed out in the column, where he's just like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's modesty, but he he knows he knows what he's doing. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it's a growing um, realization that we're watching greatness. Uh, it, it, even for me, um, when I was there on Tuesday, you know that game was not going to end the way that it did for you know 46 47 minutes of the game up until that point it was a very ordinary game that i knew how to cover um that i knew what to think about uh i had seen it a dozen times before you know the mavericks just weren't quite good enough on that night and you know maybe there was reason to uh be frustrated with that and but you know it's one of 82 games and then very suddenly be it came the one of 82 games and you know, like my brain is is like even even when the game is over and and just having to adjust from that mindset, I'm like, 
this isn't just, you know, like we see Luca be great on a damn near nightly basis. And I was like, this is a level beyond that. Um, and I think, I think when I saw a tweet that was legitimately arguing that this was, you know, one of the best five games that has ever happened in the NBA, in the history of the NBA. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like reading those words again. And I'm like, that's not a joke. Like this is, this is a serious argument and I knew it, but it just, it's so almost unfathomable at first, um, you know, at first instinct to think that something could be that great just because, you know, just because I saw it, I witnessed it. You know, what are the odds that me, you know, in Dallas covering a sport that's existed for, you know, more than 75 years uh, would just happen to be at one of the five greatest individual games that has ever happened, you know? But yeah. it was. It was right up there, certainly. Um, yeah, regular season, statistically, all of those things. Like, you can argue that there are more important games that have happened in, in you know, individual performances that have happened in postseasons. Of course, of course. But individually, like, what he did was that unique and special. Totally agree. And, you know, it was to the point where, it, it, you know, the next day when, you know, I had to go on the radio and I knew I was going to have to talk about it. I didn't want to just watch the highlights like I rewatched the entire game, which, you know, I'll do typically with Mavericks games like in my free time. But I had to do that before I, I could even talk about it, because you're right. I was seeing all these tweets and, and you know, just to just to kind of absorb what happened. Like, it's hard to it's hard to explain, you know, that kind of a stat line, I think, to to really anybody, because it you know, we we. Sometimes we get caught up in prisoner of the moment and we use the word unprecedented too too loosely. That was truly unprecedented. And um and yeah, I think you know the impact that he had throughout the throughout the game for the Mavericks, um you know, it just it, it really was probably one of the greatest performances of all time. You're not my editor. You cannot take unprecedented away from me. <laughs> that is that is a go-to word in so many inst- but usually it is describing Luka. So yeah, I try to use it judiciously. There we go. Um, still waking up a little bit, and um, you're right. You're right. You know the idea that almost always there is a precedent for what has happened, and Luca is one of the very rare players right now um, in this sport, maybe in all of sports, that is legitimately breaking precedent and changing precedent of what we what we've come to expect to him and and what he's going to keep doing this is going to be a pretty quick pod um but i do want to talk about the standings and just where the mavericks are right now um fifth place in the western conference the mavericks they're 20 and 16 they're tied for fifth with uh the phoenix suns but i believe they have a tiebreaker i don't know if that's true um I thought they've. I thought the Suns have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Anyway, it might just be a, a straight tie. Doesn't really matter. The point is that this is a team that is the Dallas Mavericks. That is only three games out of being first place in the Western Conference, and just two games out of being third place. You know, this is a team that you know, not that long ago was outside of even the play-in um, outlook. Briefly, very briefly, but I believe I believe they sunk as low as eleventh in the Western Conference, just there for a minute, uh, more thanks to the parity of the league. Um, not only that, not only are the Mavericks 20 and 16, but if you think through 
you know, expectations and win expectations, like kind of from a statistical measure. Cleaning the Glass, which is a, just an excellent stat- statistical website done by Ben Falk. Um, he used to be analytics, I believe, for Philadelphia. And now, you know, he just does a lot of interesting, useful metrics. And his numbers have Dallas as a team that would have been expected to win um, you know, about one and a half more games than they have even. Um, for a while there, it was almost two games. And I think um, Luca doing what he did against the Knicks probably helped that number a little bit. But this is a team that in some ways is underperforming. And, and again, like think back through the season. We've said this. There are losses that this team has had that are not to be expected in a, you know, in, an, in a normal way. Granted, this win differential, there are some teams that should have two more wins. And there are some teams that should have three fewer wins. And there is actually, and this is just stats. There's no actual should. You win the games you win. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting to think that the Mavericks have been performing well um, in a lot of ways over the um, over the past two weeks. They have the third best offense, the eighth best defense, and the eleventh best differential between those two. Um, I'm sorry, the fifth best. Um, anyway, this is all building up to a pretty simple point, which is that the Mavericks are playing very well and. They're playing very well at the same time that last season, they also turned around their season. Yeah. I think the obvious question is, is this that? Is this last season? Are we about to see this again? Uh, I, I don't think it's last season because I think last season there was one big dangling thing, which was Christoph Porzingis, and he was either going to get going and become that, become that Robin or you knew that you had a, a huge asset that you could flip and they did flip and got Dinwiddie and, and you know, the other guys. So um, I think, I I think that's the big difference is, you know, reinforcements are not really on the way. I mean, they're on the way in, in terms of injuries and coming back from injuries like Maxi Kleba, Dorian, they're going to come back at some point, but you know, you've written about this at length throughout the season, just about the flawed makeup of the roster. And it is a flawed roster. Um, There's no denying that. I mean, if you, you know, I know Christmas was, was five days ago. If if I'm going to put my Grinch hat on, it took Luca 60, 20, and 10 to beat the Knicks. I mean, in overtime. And, you know, like, and they were down by nine with 30 seconds left. Like, there, there's a lot of different levels to this. And I think, you know, I was at the game, um, you know, uh, on Christmas Day against the Lakers. And I thought there were the, the juxtaposition was really, um, it really drove home the point. The, the first half, the Mavericks were down and they weren't playing very well. And then the third quarter, they just exploded. And really, when you have a guy like Luke on your team, I think all you really have to do is hit your open shots. And it sounds basic, but in this NBA where these are professional basketball players, there there's a lot of do you create off the dribble? Do you you know how do you go? How do you work the pick and roll? All these different things. With Luca, just pick your spot, hit your shot that's open. You're gonna have open shots. That was the biggest difference in the first half of the Lakers game in the third quarter uh, of the Lakers game where they flipped the entire game and had like a 30-point swing. Um, So as much as it is a flawed roster, I think if they really, if everybody else can just do the basics, I think Luka is extraordinary enough to kind of drag them along. Um, But I do think at the end of the day, come playoff time, for example, when Luka was out, we saw Jalen Brunson be that second playmaker. 
So we've seen Dinwiddie do it at times. I don't know that he can consistently do it. And then, like I said, the big difference from last season is you just don't have the assets to flip. And when I hear people talking about, oh, just wait for Josh Green to come back or wait for Maxi Kleber to come back, I said this last year during the playoffs as well. If your hopes are riding on Maxi Kleber coming back and that's what your team is riding on, that in and of itself is proof of a flawed roster. Yeah, I think it's... um... I think this team can be as good as the heights of last season. I think that's yeah. what we're seeing right now. But I think that the approach they're taking to be able to achieve that is a lot more fragile than it was last season. Um, I think the offense is absolutely this good. I think that they may finish the year um, top two, top three. And that's 100% just a testament to Luka Doncic, who is unstoppable, like like uh, almost quite literally unstoppable. You have to choose which method of him beating you you think is least bad. Um, some point in the very near future, I have a piece coming on that. But because Luka is doing so much, because he's playing so many minutes, um, if he, you know, when, it, not, not if, but when he misses more games this team is not going to win them. And so there is a fragileness to that that makes it very difficult to think that, you know, the team is going to just keep riding this wave the rest of the way. And I will say, remember last season, we're talking like 35 wins over a 45-game stretch. This team basically stopped losing. You know, that's a little bit a little bit of hyperbole, but it's it's it was remarkable just how dominant they were for months, and I think that expecting that of this team is um, fairly unrealistic. Very very unrealistic. I, I think defensively as well, especially without Maxi Kleba, it, it's just it's not going to happen uh, in the same ways. I think that this can be an above average defense. I think that finishing in the ten to fifteen range. I is very achievable and maybe even the expectation. I don't know how likely it is that they're going to inch up past that. I, I think there's any number of reasons for it. Um, you know, some of it being the players and the personnel that have been introduced in, in the roster. Some of it, even really small stuff that normally wouldn't affect broad, you know, like if this was the only change from last season to this season, and I'm about to share this, uh, the, the, the change I have in mind, it wouldn't affect anything more than an increment or two. But the Mavericks shoot more threes now. So you know what happens when you shoot more threes? You miss more shots just overall. Yeah, yeah lower percentage and, shots. And the Mavericks are very good at defending when they make a shot. And they're very bad at defending when they miss a shot, right? This is something that has been, you know, the stats will bear it out. But the eye test throughout the season has also really borne out that this team plays better defense when they're making shots. To me, it's 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 not that they're making shots and then they feel like playing defense. There may be some of that going on, but they just play better. They get back into defensive organization better when they have to make, you know, when they have a little bit longer and the other team has to inbound inbounds it. And last season, they did not shoot this many threes because they had Jalen Brunson taking a lot more two-pointers and at times creating two-pointers for them. You know, it was still a team, you know, that lived and died by the three a lot of the time, but uh, it wasn't to the extremes that this season has been. And that's just like one small thing that I think yeah. brings down their ceiling just a little bit. And yeah, I think I, there's a lot of those things going on. 
I agree. I, you know, that, that's a great point. And like you said, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lower percentage shot. And unless you have Steph Curry or Ray Allen or, you know, whatever doing, doing their thing, you're, you're going to have just a lower percentage. I think what's interesting to me though, over the last couple of weeks is the usage of Christian Wood, which has obviously been a talking point all year long. Uh, I remember I was there for that Thunder game when, you know, Jason Kidd had that weird post-game press conference of, you know, kind of throwing wood, not kind of throwing Christian Wood under the bus for the closing lineup. It was but really now, weird. Yeah, that was that was strange. But then now he's starting. You know, he's been in the starting lineup in recent games, and I think that's kind of interesting. You know, of of kind of given that flavor and what that looks like. Um, I, I and I don't know because again, this roster is also not healthy right now. We'll see kind of how all the pieces fall when Dorian comes back and Maxi comes back and all that. But I do think that this is a little wrinkle that we haven't seen yet. And I don't think it's completely, uh, I don't think it's completely out of the blue that they're having this kind of success when their second best player is now paired with their best players also. Yeah. I think that all makes sense. Do you have any, um, parting thoughts? Like I said, quick episode here. Um, any closing thoughts on the Mavericks or anything anything that we haven't brought up yet that you just find interesting about this season or this team or this roster? I I mean, honestly, I, I find Luca's progression and usage pretty interesting just in terms of, you know, you, we forget that he's 23 years old and the way that he's kind of changing his game. And, and, and I do think he's not changing his game. I want to say he's kind of evolving and developing his game to where you know, he he sometimes does take shots that, you know, I, that I haven't seen him previously take. Um, and he also I, I've seen him at least by the eye test. I don't have the statistical bearings behind this, but it doesn't seem like he gets caught up in the heat checks too much. I feel like he takes, you know, better shots more regularly, which is, I, I think, a, a maturation process and growth. Um but at the end of the day, for me, it's really just about this team needing to needing to make sure that when he does create, they're able to bail him out. You know, I remember I was watching the game earlier this season. I forgot which one it was, but I just tweeted. I was like, I wish we could just see an assist, a would be assist reel for Luka Doncic, just because I think that would be pretty sick too. Um, all the passes <laughs> that he makes that just don't go in and and they're just forgotten about. So um, I we think we need that's to normalize good passes, no matter the outcome. And right. I, soccer, soccer, football does a really good job of this because yeah. most good things don't end in goals. Yeah. And we need to normalize that in the NBA as well. It, it shouldn't have to be that somebody else uninvolved with the player doing the great thing has to also check a box yeah. for it all of a sudden to become a highlight. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is as great as Luca's performance was and the, the missed free throw and the tip in was... My favorite part about that entire game was just his reaction to to him making the making the shot at the end of regulation. That 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 is that is why I mean, I know we're in the business and you know, we do journalism when we cover this team, but at the end of the day, I think that reaction there kind of summarizes why people watch sports and what sports are all about is just that just unfiltered joy that that he had. I think I thought that was a really cool moment and you know, probably that moment more than the shot itself to me would be the banner shot of the banner, like camera shot of the season so far. Yeah, we love, um, and, and we, we genuinely love like when players are ice cold, when, you know, they, they're cold blooded, you know, when they're, 
you know, just like ice in their veins, all that stuff. We, those are fun reactions. Those are insanely fun reactions. But I think there is something as well that not every player needs to be like that. And Luca most certainly is not, you know, like at times who kind of play that way. And yeah. I, I've seen him try to like stare down some players or just like, you know, like, uh, you know, hike up his his uh, his jaw and, and and strut a little bit. I think at heart, Luca is the guy who's just going to have a you know completely out of control reaction. Like he he doesn't know what to do, and he's just moving his limbs, and he's just you know freaking out. He just has, and I think at his core, at his heart, that's who Luca Doncic is. And I just like I appreciate the other version of NBA athlete, you know, I absolutely appreciate that. Yeah. He just has fun, man. Like, you know, like you said, the, the, the black Mamba mentality and you know, all that stuff that, that that's its own. Exactly, joy. Yeah. And I love that. But like, you know, he passed Michael Finley and he's like, you know, like just posting jokes about it and stuff. I think at heart, he's just a very joyous person that just likes to have fun with all this, uh, which kind of makes it all the more amusing because, all these guys like, you know, the other day when they're playing the Lakers and he's just like going at Beverly and and Westbrook. I mean, the the spin move that he was just putting on Westbrook possession after possession after possession that third quarter. And it's like he's just doing it so effortlessly and 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 he's just having so much fun. And I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yep. And on that note, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much, Saad. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll have to do it again soon. And thank you, uh, listener, for listening. There's an episode I've been promising for a couple weeks that is still coming. Um, it's with someone you know from TV, and it's going to be on a topic that is uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive into. But just scheduling issues hasn't happened yet. Look for it in the new year. Uh, we'll be back next week with a couple episodes. Um, you know, in in uh, in the new year, and just back on our usual usual schedule from that point on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP Oh, too bad!